runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 881, Incident Response Readiness with guest Paula Yanashevitz. Recorded Tuesday, April 4th, 2023. Run As Radio is produced each week by Sound Thoughts, LLC. For more information, visit soundthoughtsllc.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Hi, this is Richard Campbell. Thanks for listening to Run As Radio, bringing back one of my favorites today. Paula Yanishevitz is a IT security auditor and penetration tester, enterprise security MVP and trainer, but mostly she's the principal behind Secure, a very growing uh, security company in Warsaw and an old friend of mine for many, many years. I count on her to give me insights on uh, what we can do in security today. Thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thank you so much, Richard. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to see you again. Likewise. (laughs) It's not like the security job's getting any easier, is it? No, definitely not. It's uh, more and more uh, work coming and uh, less people that uh, are still in cybersecurity. So that gap is definitely quite painful, but uh, it's always enjoyable. (laughs) Yeah, and and definitely, I mean, this conversation we've had, I think, separately just about Oh, we did that show years ago. Where it's like build your own security, cybersecurity team because you're not going to be able to hire them. Everybody's busy. You know, if you sure. there's so much work to do, and and of course that reality is also that most security folks are part time. That you have other work in your organization, but sometimes you've got to do that job too. I was excited about this uh, recently announced security copilot. Uh, I think specifically for for folks who are part-timers, it's just at least have a tool there to help you to kind of go down the right path. Even if at some point the right path is you should call Paula because you're in trouble. <laughs> I, wish. <laughs> <laughs> I wish, but automation is also very useful uh, and important. I think in, in cybersecurity, it can help us out. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think that nowadays, um, even though we are very much in AI subject, uh, humans still cannot be replaced in yeah. cybersecurity. Let's see what's going to happen in the future. But for now, our brains are still the most important assets out there. Yeah, paying attention to the problem, you know, getting that sense of, yeah, de- even just detecting a breach, you know, the story we hear over and over again with ransomware is that the black hats were inside your network for months. Very much like this. And uh, the average uh, amount of days that uh, the hackers are in your network nowadays, it's uh, above 200. So it wow. depends really which statistics we look at, but it's around 200. But half a year. Yeah. Like you you had opportunities <laughs> to respond if you could have caught it. Very much. And uh, that's very disturbing because when you think that someone could spend that amount of days in your network, mm-hmm. what could they get? Pretty much everything. Yeah, sure. And so it's just not a matter of access. It's a matter of espionage. It's a matter of preparation. It's a matter of probably gathering data and selling it. Right. And then attacking you with uh, ransomware at the very, very end. Yeah. That, that's the last straw. But that, that massive amount of exfiltration to, to steal all your data. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly, you know, not a cybersecurity expert by any stretch of imagination, but I'm reading the, the journals and things. And it's like, they're just destroying data these days. They're exfilling the data and then wrecking your system and to sell it elsewhere. Like it, it, 
it does, it strikes me that you don't expect a ransomware recovery to go well if the black hats are involved. They 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 don't actually care. They just want their money. Very much, and it's a very lucrative business for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where you call, for example, hackers, uh, so to say, to negotiate the ransom. You truly have a help desk over there. Yeah, they have a service for that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they can be nice people over there. <laughs> it's just that, of course, they are criminals. Yeah. But um, but at the end, um, it is a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely working. Although I am finding, and I've done some shows with Ann Johnson around this, that when they get too organized, then the big white hats show up and take them apart. Like, in some ways, they have to stay hidden away. They Don't be too, too organized, because once you get big enough, they, then they, then the good guys will come and get you. It's a it's a definitely a good conclusion. <laughs> yeah, it's one it's one of the alternatives. So, are you helping teams get ready to respond? I mean, I know you come in once they're in trouble, but what's the readiness or the preparedness side of this? What can folks do to be more uh, ready to respond, or at least to detect this stuff? Like, you have months to detect it. Like, what what should I be doing that I'm missing that I don't know they're there? So, so uh, actually, there's so much to do to be ready to respond to an incident. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, one, one thing is that should incident actually happen, and uh, then we do everything to secure our environment to make sure that it doesn't really hit us. But if it comes, yeah, question is, how do we react to it? Mm-hmm. And what kind of monitoring capability and tracing capability we got? One of the important things, not the most important things, but important things is to find, as we call it, patient zero. What the entry point. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So whether it was through phishing or it was a user uh, connecting the USB and so on. And we have to have a capability uh, in our environment to pull out information from workstation servers and so on that's going to allow us to build a timeline. And on the top of that, we are able to conclude that, yeah, it actually came from that workstation. It was phishing, it was USB or whatever it was we are uh, sure that um, that it was actually from from that place, um, and that is thanks to well-established monitoring, right. which does not really involve building Windows mechanisms, but it has to introduce to the infrastructure additional tools that will allow us to centralize information that we gather and then build a nice image on the top of that. Um, maybe even some nice graphs showing us what are the connections in between workstation servers within the attacks. Right. So who was logging on and where and how and what they were running. So all that stuff is necessary to know. Yeah. I mean, in theory, doing that patient zero analysis is really about, can I close that door? The problem with a phishing attack is everybody makes a mistake. You taught me this long ago. It's like, I can probably get in. It's just a question of what happens next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, This is the thing. Uh, But, you know, like phishing is nothing new. And uh, unfortunately, there's a couple of factors that we have to have in order to be uh, secure against mm-hmm. phishing and not only that and cybersecurity is a little expensive so therefore still not every company has uh, prevention methods sure. but you've got anti-phishing anti-spam filters uh, you can also secure the endpoints so on the workstation slash server you can set up for example the attack service reduction rules when we are talking about the Windows environment right. uh, or anything else that will allow us to recognize the threat so the XDR, EDR systems and so on and uh, that pretty much 
makes us not a low-hanging fruit. And uh, hackers, even though they're going to massively send phishing to just hunt for a random target, they will just not succeed because all these systems will help us to cut it off. So that's, in general, the idea that stands behind relatively effective protection. I mean, I'm okay with this uh, this idea of they're you know, hackers going to hack, you're going to get it. It's nice to block all the phishing mail. It doesn't always work out. I'm getting some right now. That's, that's bad, but it's like, Hey, I'm on exchange online. I have all the filters on. It's still getting it into my inbox. And if I, mm-hmm. goodness knows what would happen if I clicked on any of those, but I'm like, ah, now that looks like a phishing mail deleted. Uh, the, it is that next step piece that you've talked about, like reducing that attack surface, like where we, that they don't get anywhere. Um, I guess the, the question is, once they once they're in, what do you got to do to detect them? Like, do, do they? Because so, what if they were blocked from their initial move from there? Now they're still in. Although I guess mm-hmm. there's got to be a part where they're trying to communicate back home to do something. Like, what's what? How capable is that payload that first gets delivered with that phishing message? Like, what is it capable of? So, uh, and, and now we got like a couple of hours of a exciting <laughs> conversation. <laughs> But but mainly uh, when we logically think about the uh, the activities over there, first of all, there's going to be some communication from the inside to the outside, right? And whatever that will be, it's going to be um, probably to some places that can or cannot be classified or will not be classified as suspicious. Yes. So if they're not classified as suspicious, then basically um, there is a communication somewhere out there from the workstation. And the question is, who does this? Meaning, what kind of identity does this? Because hackers have to have some kind of an identity, mm-hmm. whether it's going to be an identity of a user or of an admin or whoever. There has to be like someone that they're going to be using, impersonating into. Um, and that's thing number one. And thing number two is that they will impersonate, they will use probably um, hook into maybe some process, load some DLL or just a code into malicious code into the process right. to be less visible. So they're going to use some technique or maybe just a process just like that, just a, just an executable that you normally spot when you look at it because it's not digitally signed. And that, that kind of a form of contact is going to be made by that process, whatever that will be. And that is already suspicious. But how can we learn that yeah. um, afterwards? Yeah. So without well-established monitoring, we just cannot. Right. So the, this monitoring piece, because now you've got a chance. That first payload got in the way they got in. Now it needs to communicate back to command and control. Can we see that that's an unusual communication, something that the workstation wouldn't normally do? Absolutely. But their mm-hmm. first job, if that, that works, is now to push more payload in, something smarter, mm-hmm. more capable. And again, a very unusual piece of communication, much less installing software on a machine, which is something we normally never allow or shouldn't allow. So I'm just seeing so many chances for us to stop them, and yet it still happens. Uh, yeah, exactly. That It still happens. That's why it's so exciting. Right. And I wonder, actually, for how many years still it's going to happen, mm-hmm. because um, we already have in the market solutions that stop that. It's just a matter of rethinking, redesigning our cybersecurity strategy, thinking about what you're going to really need when the incident's going to happen. That's why uh, we are talking here about the readiness. And readiness also involves 
rethinking what you, what kind of information you're going to need after the incident happened. Right. So you need to know who was communicating, from what kind of a process, what was it, what kind of mechanism, when, uh, was there any like intercommunication between systems inter- inside your infrastructure, so in the in the uh, local network, um, and uh, what were the, like, what was the reputation of the IP addresses that they were communicating sure. with? Was it previously used for malware? And maybe they used the low bus, low bins technique, technique so the living of the line and uh, binary scripts in Windows, which is so common right now to see within the attacks because it just simply works. Right. And it bypasses the classic antivirus solutions as well because there's nothing to discover. Because most of these antivirus solutions are looking for signatures. Mm-hmm. And this code is always customized, so it's always going. The signature detection is never going to work. Absolutely, and you can always, for example, um, use building Windows tools to to run something. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, eventually to download something from the internet. Yeah, so there are many examples. Uh, happy, of course, to to mention them. But in general, generally saying, uh, we've got. Um, the download, for example, of the uh, XML file from the internet that is automatically processed by the Windows build, building process. Right. So that code directly goes to the memory and, and things like that. So you're using the installer mechanism against us. Exactly. To make it look like it's coming from the company's install normal installer and it just uh, will auto load it and bypass all of those privileges totally and and uh, within the last incident i actually uh, seen msi exec uh, leveraged um for the attack yeah so when you look at this it all looks cool it looks like something is being installed um from you know regular installer but mm-hmm. the reality was that inside msi exec's memory uh there was a code so it was just a block where there was a malicious code loaded we extracted that we dropped it into the virus total, and then it appeared to be Loki, which is a famous um, ransomware. Wow. Okay. So it's just they'd taken a, a common ransomware and repackaged it to be able to bypass yeah. Yeah. most of the filters. Sometimes in a very sophisticated way. Sometimes not. Not very sophisticated at all. Doesn't doesn't need to be. I mean, that's always the question: is are we only are script kitties this good, or is this like real state actors? attacking us like what's the nature of these attacks these days somewhere in the middle because you know the simple things are rather discovered so we are definitely getting better no mm-hmm. doubts about that so everybody is looking towards cybersecurity and especially within the world's economic forum report cybersecurity is one of the top threats in the world so like we cannot skip it like if you care about your business you cannot skip cybersecurity strategy in your company even though it's poor it's still there um and and so somewhere like in the middle um it's it's not worth hackers time uh, to build something like super sophisticated um it's just more money they got and uh question is what's enough yeah right yeah yeah and i mean if they if they wanted to work hard they wouldn't be bad guys uh <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> true what are you recommending for the networking monitoring side on this like we talked about the these initial stages of the attack and how much network traffic actually has to move around like are, are so, there good tools yeah. for that yeah definitely it's like what is important to have is like cybersecurity 
uh, well established on many layers. Mm -hmm. One of them is definitely network, but of course it's not the only layer because things can, for example, uh, start encryption on the workstation and then what network has to do uh, because that code was written in a way that it was not connect through, connecting through the network, fetching the keys, but just encrypting the data first with the key that was, let's say, built in the software that was executed. So we right. could be dealing with a solution like that. But network-wise, in most of the cases, ransomware or in general malicious software doesn't have to be ransomware, rather communicates with the outside network, outside world, uh, because it has to establish some kind of a fetch some data like encryption keys or right. establish communication with the hacker, connect to C2 server, whatever. And um, these tools, they have to recognize patterns, uh, unusual situations, and also uh, look for the bad reputation of um, the uh, the source the um, or the destination. Exactly. In this case, um, yeah. I mean, aren't they typically using some kind of proxy? Like you're not connect directly connecting back to the black hats. You're going through Tor, some equivalent. Although it's very reasonable for us to say on our firewalls, hey, no Tor traffic. Very much. So we should definitely do that. Mm -hmm. And also, um, th they do buy the VPSs all around the world. You can buy them in Singapore, Taiwan, Sweden, Netherlands. Right. Yeah, so I'm just from the top of my head, uh, like naming the, the countries from where you can easily buy uh, the VPSs. But it's pretty much every country uh, in, in this world that's that has some kind of a well-established internet connection. And um, and you pay like, you know, $300 per server per month, for example, uh, or it depends how much of the resources you need to have. And then everybody would say that most of the attacks come from and then name the country, which yeah. technically this is the source, uh, but it's not really who's operating it. It's actually, that's a, that's the discount proxy. That's all that is. Exactly. Right. So so I'm, I'm never believing this kind of statistics. How how do we know that? Yeah, how do we actually know that? And Paul, I'm going to interrupt for one moment for this very important message. Get ready to make a difference. Join the cause of the Humanitarian Toolbox and help make a positive impact on disaster relief and response. HDBox creates open source software like the Two Weeks Ready Project, which empowers individuals, families, and communities to prepare for emergencies using their smartphones. With your help, HDBox can continue to build and operate these essential disaster response and preparedness tools. By visiting hdbox.org, you can learn more about their mission and make a tax-deductible donation to support their life-saving work. Every contribution helps create software that can save lives and provide assistance when it matters most. Join the cause today and help make a difference. And we're back. It's Run As Radio. I'm Richard Campbell. Paula and I are happily chat chatting about all the horrors that are the current exploit environment we're in. And uh, back to this kind of readiness model, just understanding uh, how to respond. I mean, so, so the network detection goes off, mm -hmm. right? We've picked up disreputable traffic. This workstation's done a kind of communication it's never done before. Payload hasn't gone off yet, effectively. We're not getting the big screen saying you've been ransomed. So what's the response? What do you do now? Is just pave that machine? <laughs> so fairly, we've been into a situation like this. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, not, not us, us, but our customer. And uh, this was a very exciting moment, uh, for sure, because it's like you are literally on the edge. Yeah. And it's just a matter of wind. 
uh, out there and uh, everybody is feeling a lot of pressure because um, the traffic is, for example, stopped by the network yeah. um, network solution and uh, it's automated. So it's we're, we're just simply lucky over there. Right. Uh, if it wasn't like that or if it changes its mind, let's maybe say it this way, then the traffic is going to come through and then we're going to have a problem. Uh, so you have to react super fast and um, you have to, first of all, um, investigate what's the IOC, so the indicator of the compromise, mm-hmm. uh, which means that you have to do a little bit of a threat hunting activity at the end because it's it's an incident response. So you have to analyze what the threat is about and collect IOCs. But that activity is very much connected with general general activity, uh, which is threat hunting. Sure. And um, you, you just check uh, and you find whatever you can find. And then with your knowledge, uh, depending on the solutions that they are using that you got as you're um, available for yourself and yeah, many factors uh, depend on that, but knowledge is super important here. You check uh, what's out there, you identify it, and then you write scripts that will run within this environment and simply clean it up. Right. So, I mean, they hear... You're not going to know about the phishing exploit. You missed that part. Mm -hmm. But you're now seeing unusual traffic come from the workstation. You may not have caught it all, but some part of it has tripped one of your wires. Mm -hmm. I mean, my instinct now is to yank the network cable out of that machine. Get it off the network before it's it's infected anything else. I guess that real question is, what else has this machine touched? Like, it may have already shifted some payloads elsewhere on the network. Yeah, so so this is actually one of the the good recommendations to mm-hmm. disconnect the environment from the network and so on, because it's about the network connectivity. But on the other hand, and that's what I really like about the incident response, is that not everything is that uh, clean. So your action list, it's not that simple, because if you disconnect this machine from the network, let's say this will this machine will not be able to pull out the information from the database. Right. And this is just like a big store that has to be opened on Saturday morning. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it cannot be disconnected from the network, because people will see it. Maybe, maybe that's the solution. Yeah, maybe you can just close this store or maybe you shouldn't do it yeah it's business business is also important mm-hmm. so it's it's really a list of very difficult decisions and being able to super quickly evaluate the risk whether if you will disc not disconnect it yeah yeah well you don't know if this is a real hun- attack or not you just see uh, saw unusual traffic like mm-hmm. are you overreacting uh we so if if you classify it as an unknown thing and yeah something that tries to do harm, so attempt to do harm or just simply harm because being unknown and not, not classified traffic is also suspicious, you turn it into an incident and you definitely have to solve it. Right. I mean, it, may, it sounds like I have to get business involved because if it's in, it could easily impact business here. Oh, very much. And these attacks escalate very, very quickly. Yeah, sure. But at the same time, we were talking about they're in there for months, mm-hmm. but I guess the, the escalation is... The, they're going to try and get into other machines. Very much. And we also had a situation with uh, one of the other customers that hackers were there. They they came in. We did not uh, at that moment um, uh, know what was the way, what was the door. And uh, they called us. And uh, with the whole team on their side, we were sitting and trying to analyze what was going on on their curator mm-hmm. at that time. They were using it. Uh, we could find literally live hacker running the tools to extract information, and uh, we when we quoted on uh, uploading information into Mega Upload, 
at that time, we were like, okay, for sure, we have to cut it off because we, we don't know. But we, we kept it for a while running right. to observe what's going on. It was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I th- this is where I think that toolkit would be useful, right? If I'm able to point at a machine and say, this machine has unusual traffic, give him no mm-hmm. further access to the rest of the network. Just one click. Right. Mm-hmm. To have that have that button ready to go, that I can lock that machine from getting access to other machines in my network, but maybe not cut them off from the internet so that I can observe all the traffic. Exactly. So you isolate that machine uh, in the way that you establish, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what you truly need within the incident. And then you, for example, decide to let it go or uh, monitor it or completely cut it off. Yeah. There are many options, but this is really what's needed. And you need to have appropriate information gathered for that. Right. I mean, the main thing you're getting from you when you do that is you've protected the network, mm-hmm. but you've also bumped up your ability to observe to be sure. No, this is really an exploit. Mm. Like at first I wasn't sure, but then to actually see black hat traffic moving in and out of that machine while they're trying to touch the rest of the network, at least now your confidence is there. You can end this by paving that machine and hopefully closing the, whatever exploit window that was. But like, it's got to be a good day where once you know for sure, because we spend so much time being uncertain. And you touch a very nice subject over there. Um, and not only in cybersecurity, right? So when we are un- uncertain, we are just uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And how can you feel confident uh, about the things, about uh, what is happening if you don't have knowledge about what's going on? So right. knowledge brings us confidence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so while being safe, Mm -hmm. like if there's anything I'm carrying from this conversation is like, boy, I really want that button to isolate that machine. Right. It's not that hard to do. No, no. And that would save so many environments. Uh, And and we've been in situations where like the customer saw like, hey, something is going on. And then like five minutes later, whole network is down. Yeah. So uh, they do escalate very fast when things happen. They happen fast, and right. that button is definitely gold. Yeah, especially if, it, if if so, I'm too late. He has successfully pushed onto a couple of other machines. I could start blocking these machines. Like there's sort of a race to disinfect without just shutting everything down. Truly, looks like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It truly does. And and for that customer where we uh like cut off uh hackers connection right three weeks later. There was another incident in their environment because they did not close down uh, the point of entry from the previous attack. Right. And it was most probably sold in the dark web. Someone bought it, someone get in, and that was a different characteristic of an attack. So they were there, they were already doing some other things. So different people. It's like two developers um, writing writing code. Yeah. Of course, you're going to recognize these are two different people doing this, right? They're going to push it off. But you're back to your whole find patient zero because we need to close that factor. They did not do it. Yeah. And, it, and if it was an exploit, like that's definitely something you could close. If it's a phishing attack, it's like, are they going to fall for the phishing attack again? Mm-hmm. Although now if you do that further, okay, if it falls for a phishing attack again, what was the indicator of compromise? Can I patch that? Is this just lapse, uh, you know, locking down that machine further? Is it more traffic information? Like there's so many things I can do once I have a sense of that I knew where this started. But you know what's uh, the worst thing, I think, is that, uh, and it happens unfortunately quite often, mm-hmm. is that when you cannot identify uh, patient zero, yeah, 
because there isn't enough information gathered. Right. Or it's already too late. Well, you're back to that whole, I, I, I paved the machine immediately. I fixed the problem. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. But I haven't ever, I never did the die. I never did the root cause. So I'm vulnerable to it again. For example. Yeah. Exactly. So, so that's like the worst thing. And everybody wants to know what was the point of entry. But even though like you try hard, you cannot tell 100%. And, mm-hmm. and everybody likes to be 100% sure. You can just guess. Like, oh, we see that as potentially phishing because of the following symptoms that right. we can connect. But it's not like 100%. No. Oh, phishing is almost a cop-out, right? Like, it's like, because that's the one you don't have to do anything about. Okay, well, more training. Those darn users, they're always the problem. You know, they, it, it better to, to you find anything other than phishing to really try and find a better, something we could really fix. Um, although again, you, you know, they're always going to get an initial step. It's like, can you do, can you stop the next steps? Why were they able to run code successfully from email? We, you know, can we lock that down better so that you, even if you do click on the wrong thing, it has fewer and fewer consequences. And at the end, how do you gather evidence properly, <laughs> which mm-hmm. it should be in the incident response procedure right. in every organization. But unfortunately, uh, we're always asked about that. I mean, that I think natural people just need to learn how that needs to be in, in our books, so to say, like security awareness is already in lots of companies. Then sure. incident response planning or readiness also has to be there because if there is an attack, the worst thing to do is to not know what to do. Right. So um, and wait. Well, but also this, uh, this idea of making it go away is not enough because it will inevitably come back. Like the instinct, just make it go away. I got other things to work on. To, to get past that and say, no, we prosecute this. We have tools to fight back. We're ready. We're confident that we can actually analyze this faster than they can attack us and and really protect ourselves from it. Very much like that. <laughs> oh, I like this posture, Paul. I feel all empowered, right? It's like, hey, <laughs> if I build up a bit of this toolkit and can practice with these responses, then I'm not just just smashing it out the door i am analyzing it getting getting more control of it being a part of making sure it never happens again absolutely and the good part about that because sometimes uh companies might think that or or someone who makes a decision uh about buying a solution like this they might think that uh so simply we're talking about the cm systems yeah and well configured yeah they, they could think like okay but why, why would I need it? Is it like just for the incident or what? And the thing is that CM systems, of course, bring us more information about what is going on in our network. So who is logging on and where, what runs where, and um, and what are in general the anomalies? What does it mean to, like a normal traffic? What's abnormal? So so that kind of analysis, it's super useful. And, uh, and you're, are you talking again, about Sentinel like when you talk about a CM system? Yeah, yeah, Sentinel. It's one of the one of the options here, and and that just gives us more confidence at the end. Right, um, and it's again, it's, these are the tools that give us the power. That feel like we have, we can, we're able to respond to this, and uh, and to get in. So go, I mean, go now. I want to do. I've got a. I've got plans for a whole show just on Sentinel, because I think it's such a huge topic. Very much. Yeah, but it it is good to put it into that context of. Mm-hmm. This is what these tools are for, and to help you respond, to be part of your readiness. I mean, it, 
part of that is just detection, right? Like just this is part of being, you know, being able to detect what's happening. Detection, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And also the capability to collect the samples um, remotely, because uh, that's very, very important. Because how normally that looks like if there is an incident, okay, you notice something weird in the network, you go there to that machine, particularly you go there. How do you go there? So you connect by using what? RDP or VNC or like there there are many solutions that companies use. Um, And um, eventually they collect the evidence. So they do the memory dump. They do the disk dump. Mm -hmm. They see that there is like something malicious running. So they're going to make a memory dump of that. They're going to collect the executable or whatever that will be. And then they're going to analyze it. Like with the automated solutions, you just easily did the workstation and then you just either the samples are collected automatically or you just decide to collect samples around that kind of a traffic around that executable and so on and then everything you just do with like a central location i mean there is nothing more powerful nowadays than that yeah no and i love that 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 having that tooling in place so that the moment anything's detected it's a me it's gathering that data for you it's already active by the time you realize the notifications come in it already has ratings of information for you and perhaps has put those policies in place like already lock that machine down absolutely and and oh, like mm-hmm. why wouldn't you do this automation like there's, there's good tools for this totally and and of course there's so many things that you can also do manually mm-hmm. that that these uh, automation uh, tools they they don't do uh, oh well it's a matter of configuration but in most of the cases they will not for example go to the usn journal and they will not dump what has been out there in terms of transactions on the disk and so on right. but that's fine if if it's all well configured and the journal is big enough then you can use your uh, human power, and then after you classify that workstation as the infected one, then you can do a deeper research and analyze, of course, all the things historically that have been dumped on a disk and so on. So it's a super exciting subject, sure. but it's not that exciting if you go to the organization with thousands of computers and then you really don't know where to start with because there's no monitoring whatsoever. Right. I mean, it's still cool though, but yeah, but it, it could have been better. <laughs> but it could have it could have been better. And I, I'm, I'd also appreciate just like most of all of this security stuff tends to be preventative work until we're really in a firefight. But most of the prevention is trying to lock our systems down better. Mm-hmm. I like this idea that spending more of your pre- of your preventative time on readiness mm-hmm. on admitting that there's always a risk of being exploited of being attacked and we need to be ready to respond it's not just make sure every door is locked it's also know what to do when a door is unlocked absolutely and uh and the components for that, it's not only tools uh, and our skills, uh, but it's also rethinking the incident response strategy. Yeah. So to have the procedure, to have the policy, to have the team uh, to be called for like when there's an issue. Like yeah. You don't want people to leave at 3 p.m. because they have to pick up their kids. No, there's like one person to do that. Another person has to do shopping. Another person has to do that. Mm-hmm. Like someone out there needs to be committed. So um, that, that these guys, they have to be guttered first. So when there's an emergency, there's going to be part of the team and uh, you need them to be committed because yeah. um, otherwise that might end up differently. There, there were situations, by the way, Richard, where we were the only ones. So consultants were the only ones at the customer side, literally at 3 p.m. Everybody just left and we were the, literally the only ones. They were like, where is everybody? There is an incident. You oh, have to save the company. It's a- and uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's end of work day. We'll, we'll deal with the incident tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I mean, it's an interesting part of readiness. It's like, hey, these the, these events are considered a crisis, and like overtime pay is available. Like, I don't know what the HR requirements for are for this, but minutes count in this kind of attack, and so I suspect business leadership will be prepared to do what's necessary to keep their people in place. I'm not asking anybody to do anything for free. Goodness knows the consultants weren't for free that day. But if you haven't actually done that preparedness to say, no, that's the day you stay. And yeah, it's going to be a pain, but you know, we'll do what's right by everybody because arguably we're saving the company while we're doing it. Absolutely. And, and there's also a case of compliance that someone needs to know, uh, what's going to be compliant. We yeah. cannot break the law while playing with like, we're not breaking the law because somebody's breaking the yeah. law. Right. Like exactly. that's, that's not how that works. I don't know how you've done this, Paula, but now I'm excited for an incident. Like that's just weird. Yeah. Right. It's not that's dread. Funny. It's this to feel empowered about uh, by it. And yeah, I'd want to be part of that team where we we're ready to to do battle, essentially, to understand what's going on, to push back, to protect our to come away with this with better protections. And, you know, possibly be part of, of these are real criminals and let's be part of, of getting them out of business. It's, it's I'm glad to hear that. It's, it's super exciting job. Yeah. It's, and, and actually what is so surprising about it is that when the incidents happens, uh, they happen, they, they happen for during the day and during the night as well. Mm -hmm. And when they happen during the nighttime, we could be like, oh no, we have to get up and do this and that. No, it's actually not like that. There's so much adrenaline that it keeps you awake till like the moment that you decide reasonably that it's time to go to sleep because otherwise you just sometimes collapse. Um, and, uh, and you were like, when it's there, you feel inside very committed and uh i think this is what is exciting about this job yeah no powerful work very energizing and terrifying at the same time and terrifying <laughs> it's like they there's not a lot of bungee jumping in it work but this seems like that incident response sometimes with a line that someone cuts at the end <laughs> because everything is encrypted absolutely Paula, it's so great to talk to you. Likewise. It's always a pleasure. Uh, thanks so much for coming back on the show. This is a great topic. Uh and certainly empowering to to get ready and to be able to respond. Um, where can folks see you? You're back out in the field again, you know, uh, doing the talks. Yes, 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 yes. Quite a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, like almost right now, uh, every week or every two weeks, there is uh, something happening. Either it's uh, on site or remotely, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that I try to mix this with the projects as well and incidents as well. Right. Uh, so cybersecurity is full of uh, surprises for sure nowadays. Uh, so definitely, we need more people uh, in the, in this sphere, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but it's good to see people again. Well, I'll include a link to Secure's site so folks can always see what you're up to there. And it's certainly, like you said, work opportunities available as well as uh, pl- an opportunity to see where you're doing presentations where more folks can, can learn more. Thanks again for coming back on. Thank you so much, Richard. And we'll talk to you next time on Run As Radio.